Thanks, Jake and team. I invite you to turn to Ezekiel 47. Oof. Oh, we're down again. We're up again. Ezekiel 47, we're in a uh, series here for three weeks just talking about the direction of our church uh, and the vision that we feel like God has given us to, to live this life for Him. Uh, if you're visiting with us, we're really glad you're here this morning, and uh, hopefully you, you just connect with God in terms of worship and connect in with us as a body, and, and, um, and we just pray, really, that uh, God makes this connection something that uh, you could see down the road and say, yeah, this is, this is a body I want to be a part of. So glad you're here this morning. Ezekiel 47, I'm just going to read these verses. We've been reading the same uh, 12 verses the last couple weeks, and want to read it again. Um, it says this, Ezekiel 47, and just the background, if you are new uh, this is Ezekiel writing about a vision God has given him about what it looks like when his people worship him and, and come and honor him. This is the picture of what he'll, will, he will do. And so it's him taking Ezekiel around and showing him these things. So Ezekiel says, Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and behold, water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was flowing down from below the south end of the threshold of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gate that faces towards the east. And behold, the water was trickling out on the south side. Going on eastward with the measuring line in his hand, the man measured a thousand cubits and he led me through the water that was, and it was ankle deep. He measured off a thousand and led me through the water and it was knee deep. Again, he measured a thousand, and he led me through the water, and it was waist deep. Again, he measured a thousand, and it was a river I could not pass through, for the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in, a river that could not be passed through. And he said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. As I went back, I saw on the bank of the river very many trees on the one side and on the other. And he said to me, This water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabia where it and there's a sea. That's the Dead Sea he's referring to. When the water flows into the sea, the water will become fresh. And wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live. And there will be very many fish. But this water goes there that the waters of the sea may become fresh. So everything will live where the river goes. Fishermen will stand beside the sea from Engedi to Enenglaim. It will be a place for the spreading of nets. Its fish will be of many, very many kinds, like the fish of the great sea. But its swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They are to be left for salt. And on the banks of both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail. They will, be, they will bear fresh fruit every month because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. Uh, the vision this morning that we're going to be looking at is the final picture of this idea of where the water ends up. We've been talking about how this call that God has or this vision that God has for us to connect with him, that his presence first comes into the temple, which is now us. Up on the screen, you see just the, the explanation of the metaphors you see in here, the water and the temple. You see the, the impact of it, right? Uh, who are the Dead Sea or what's the desert and the Dead Sea represent? And 
Um, so those things, hopefully, as you're looking at this and I walk through this, it explains it and helps make these things clear. Um, so the first week we talked about God's desire and heart for us to connect with him, connect up with him. And so that was this call towards holiness, call towards coming into the temple to worship him and our lives, you know, oriented around him and his calling. Last week, we talked about the importance as you read this and the setup to this passage, this calling that God has for us to be connected in with each other, that the church ministers to each other, serves each other. You know, there's this idea of fellowship and discipleship. this connecting in, and as we connect in, in the name of God, right, worship comes from us. As we worship God, there's this call to connect in, and it goes back and forth. Today is, is the last one, and it's where does the river end up? And the river ends up with it ending in the desert or coursing through the desert and the Dead Sea. And it's this incredible vision of resurrection power, that which is dead becoming alive, and you see, you know, food, you see trees for healing, right? Um, you see fish, you see people gathering everywhere, gathering in, living along outside of a, a sea that, frankly, was dead and now is living. It's an incredible picture. It's a metaphor of our life. Now, um, this may tip my hand a little bit, but there's too many promises that God has given Israel for, for, for me to just say, this is only for Christians now. Like, there's, there's a lot of promises God gave Israel that he still hasn't fulfilled, and so I don't want to say, oh yeah, this is only for us. There, there's a piece of this, but I think it is appropriate to say, yeah, this, this is a picture of what it looks like to be connected up with God and in and out. And towards that end, this is why we want to talk about it. And And so the water is a metaphor for the presence of God. So all of us have the presence of God, right? All of us have him in us. And there's this invitation, he says, to be being filled, constantly coming to him. Jesus said, I'm the living water, drink. I've got water that you don't even know about that'll give you eternal life. And, uh, you know, we have cases of water up here. And and what happens in the Christian life is, is that we come to him and all of a sudden he just stacks his water, his presence all around us. And, you know, I wish I could have like pallets and pallets and pallets of this and say that's what it's like to be in the presence of God. It's just, it's everywhere. And he says, take a sip anytime you want to. Get out a new one. Take a long drink, right? And if you've lived in the desert, you know what it's like which I don't know how many of Anybody lived in the desert here? Hey, we got a couple people. Arizona, all right, right there. Yeah, you live in the desert, you know what water can do for you. If you live in places where it's bad water, you know what fresh water tastes like and how wonderful it is. And Christ says, I want you to drink of this the rest of your life. But it's interesting, it doesn't stop with us and the temple. We are the temple. It comes out of us and it begins to course through our lives into the desert places and the Dead Seas, the people around us that don't know him and are in the desert and in a sea of death. And so this morning isn't about us, it's about those who have never tasted 
God's fresh water, his presence. Now, one of the things that Christ said when he left earth is his last thing. He said, look, I want you to hang on. Don't go anywhere. You've got to wait here in Jerusalem, and the Holy Spirit will come and fill you. My, the Holy Spirit, I'm going to send him, and he's going to come and live in you. So don't go anywhere. He's going to give you power. His presence is going to be in you. Wait till he comes, and when he comes, and you'll know when he comes, then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so he gives this call that's to the whole church. As soon as you have God the Spirit living in you, you go. You're, you're my witnesses. Every Christian who has been filled with the presence of God has this mantle, this calling to go to the desert places, to the dead seas of people's lives and to bring this good news, right, of Jesus and what he's done. Every single person. If you follow Christ, it's not an option. It's not, um, well, once you get mature enough or once you know enough, it's you just do it. You just go because that's, that's what people who have been touched, you know, have been filled, have tasted the fresh water of God. That's what they do. And what often happens is, I remember even at Bible school and at seminary, it started to get so complex. They started using these words, and they started breaking everything down, and they just got all complicated. And, and at some point, I was just like, man, I don't even know what this is anymore. What, what exactly is this? I mean, it can get that way sometimes. And, and what is this sharing our faith? I mean, what, what is that? Well, I'm not going to give you a, a, a definition. I'm just going to show you. This is what it looks like. God has given you his presence Jesus has come and saved you. He lives within you through the Holy Spirit, right? And what do you do? You go, well, I've got to give this away, right? I have his presence in me. I've got to give this fresh water away. And so you go up and you go, no, I'm not going to give it to him, and, right? And you go up and, yeah, I'll give, I'll give it to you right there. Yeah, no, no, I don't want you to have that. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I'll give one to you, right? And, and this, this right here, huh? this is what people call evangelism, sharing our faith. That's what we do. We go and, and we see people who don't have, and I'm saying you guys don't. I mean, I'm just saying, but we're just using the metaphor here. I mean, yeah, you guys are good. Um, but that's what it is. It's simply finding someone who has never had a connection to God, to Christ, and saying, you need to know about this. Have you ever tasted this? Have you, have you ever drank from this? I got a whole case of it. I got them stacked in my garage, right? And you give them out. And, and it's not something we hold on to. It's something we're supposed to give away because why? There's always going to be more. You're never going to run out of fresh water. Not with God. And yet... Why is it that when I talk to leaders, seasoned leaders, guys that I really respect, I heard, I've heard over the years, the first thing to go in the Christian life is this idea of connecting out to this world. It's the first thing to go. And they just say it with such confidence. I'm like, what do you mean? It's like, it's the first thing to go. It's the first thing that falls away in a Christian's life. Now, I want you to think about this. Why is it that that's the first thing to go. Now, I don't know if they have, like, hard data on that. I think there is sometimes you could say hard data, but they could possibly say it, it is one of the first things to go. 
But even there, why is it one of the first things to go? And so we're going to do a little Q&A here. My question is that you're going to answer back, and we're just going to kind of talk about this. I'd love to hear your, react, your answers, and as you, you share it, I'll, I'll echo it back to everybody so they can hear as you have to do the mic running around here. But why do you think sharing about Christ to other people, which is so clearly commanded, this call to connect out with this world, why is that the first thing to go in the Christian life? Or one of the first things? So here we go. What are some of your thoughts? Tired of getting beat up. So you go and you share about Christ and you get beat up, whether it's emotionally, physically. I don't, I mean, have you gotten beat up physically? No. But definitely relationally, emotionally. Other thoughts? Fear of rejection. Say that again. Yeah, hypocrisy. They'll see you as a hypocrite, yeah, or the church as a hypocrite. Challenging? Yeah, like all of a sudden you're under attack and you have to have all these answers and they're coming at you and you, that challenge of being able to defend your faith, it's, it can be daunting. Time. What do you mean? I mean, I know what you mean, but maybe I don't know what you mean. Okay, time. I don't even have time to do this. Too much work, too much schoolwork. You don't have any margin. Any other thoughts? Say that again. Sometimes what? Yeah. Okay. Sometimes you get stuck in trials of your own so that you don't have enough room for others because you're so focused on your own trials. Somebody said something over here. Don't feel worthy enough. There's all these reasons and probably more why this is one of the first things to fall away in our faith. 25 years ago, the Barna Group did a, a, a survey. They were always doing surveys, but they did one particularly, and, and the topic was, was this. Um, do you agree with this statement? Every Christian has a responsibility to share their faith, and, and they were polling Christians. 89% of Christians 25 years ago agreed with this. Today, 64%. 64% of Christians agree that they have a responsibility to share their faith, which, you know, a third of Christians out there don't. Don't even agree with it. What do you believe? And more importantly, what do you practice? It seems to me that as we do this, there's all these things going in, but if someone is really not sharing their faith, it begs the question, are they really close to God? Because if you're really close to God, there's no way you can keep from sharing about him. Because he's the God that came and saved you. 
I mean, there's times I, I get into his presence and it's overwhelming and it, it does, it has to translate, well then, are you going here or, and do you see my love for them and do you see my love over here and do you see my love over here and, and I want you to be a part of that. And when you get close to God, you can't help but see how his love, it starts in the temple, but it never stops in the temple. It always goes out to the Dead Sea. It always flows to where people are dying. That's where the love of God and his presence flows. It has to flow out of us. And if it's not flowing, it begs the question of how's the flow going in the temple even? Is there a connection to him? I mean, God wept for the lost. The closer you get to the heart of God, the, the more you realize this is this missionary heart of his who literally left heaven for us and is still wanting to reach others even though he's already reached us. And he calls us to connect with this world and go. And he'll send his presence with us. He'll send it with us. That's, that's the great thing. This, this doesn't stay back in the garage. It's, he's in us. He goes with us. A couple weeks ago, I referenced that book, Crossing the Switchblade. And uh, it's a story of David Wilkerson and how he ended up in New York City in the mid-60s and planning this church um, right on Times Square. It's called Times Square Church because it's right off of Times Square. And I hadn't read, I referenced that like out of the blue and I thought, I need to pick that book up and read it. And I go home and lo and behold, my wife had already pulled the book off our shelf I haven't read that book since I was like in junior high, fifth and sixth grade. I can't remember. I started reading that thing. Oh, my. You have got to read that book. And, and moms and dads, you should read that book to your kids. Um, uh, I, just a caveat. Um, kids in grade school, you may need to do some edit, editing of it. Because so, it's, it's like this, um, this guy's reaching gangs, right? And, and he's just like, some of the language, you're just like, wow, what he's describing is pretty descriptive. So you're going to have to kind of get, you know, creative. And you don't, you don't, there's no like beep. You're not going to have to beep anything out in the book or anything like that. But you may have to like gloss over some things. But I would definitely encourage you to read the book. And there's a story he tells. Um, he already made one journey to New York because he felt like God was saying, this is a, a pastor in Pennsylvania, right? I'm going to spill water. I keep throwing this thing around. There's a pa he's a pastor in a country church in Pennsylvania. He takes over this smaller church. It grows up to, I don't know, over 200. It's amazing what God's doing, and, and it's awesome. And then he just gets this vision and sees these boys from a gang, young men, who had viciously killed this... Um, uh, other boy that had special needs. I can't remember all that happened. It was awful. Made the national headlines, everything. And he just felt like God was saying, I want you to go to love them and, and pastor them. And so he goes to New York City, just shows up the court, and, and they take all these the reporters. And he was there. They find, find out what it is. And he interrupts the judge. He does all this stuff trying to just, hey, I want to just, he's just innocent. He, he's just this country pastor in big city, New York, just innocent, going, hey, nobody's reaching these kids. I'll love them. And gets all over the national headlines. They take his picture, and of course, every back, back home, it's this big scandal. And it, they made him look like he was just some, they just made him look foolish uh, in these papers. And so, and, uh, but he's like, I, I can't help that. I was just here for this. I wasn't trying to do anything. And he just felt like, what in the world, Lord? Why are you doing all this stuff? Why did, why did I have to look like a fool? Like, that's not what I was there for. So he gets 
Another call, prompting, God says, I want you to go back and I want you to minister to these boys. And so he goes again and he's like, I don't know what I'm doing. Why am I going here kind of thing? But he goes out of obedience and he gets to New York City and, and, and kids, this is before they had cell phones, right? This is back when they had phone books, which I know you don't even know what a phone book is. Um, can you imagine a phone book for the city of New York? Like it's nuts. And so he's trying to contact the, one of the families. There's seven families. He's trying to contact just one. And there's, you know, 200 names or something like that, last names, 150, 200 names of people with that same last name. And he starts just calling them. He's only got $5 worth of dimes, and he runs out pretty quick. And he's like, we're never going to find these people. We don't know. So they just get in the car, and they're like, and he just says, Lord, if you want me to find them, you're going to have to lead it. So he gets in his car with his associate pastor who came along with him. And they just start driving, and they get into Central Park and start to get lost. And I've gotten lost in Central Park. It's not, it's not hard to do. Like, like it is and it isn't. Um, but uh, anyway, so he's going around in circles trying to find out, how do I get out of Central Park? How do I get out? He finally gets out of Central Park. It shoots them off, and they're in traffic forever. And then all of a sudden, he realizes, wait a minute, we're in the Hispanic side of town, which is the last name of the guy they're trying to reach on the list here. And they're like, oh, this is, this is nuts. Like, how did we get into Hispanic? They don't even know where it was in New York City, let alone that they're actually there. And all of a sudden, he just, as they're going, he just feels like God's saying, pull over, pull over, park, park, park. So he just pulls in and parks and gets out of the car, and there's some teenagers there, and he says, hey, I'm looking for this guy's address. And the kid says, hey, you're the preacher. And the guy's like, what? He's like, you're the famous preacher. You were the dude down at, at the, the courthouse and everything that was like here to be the pastor for all the gang guys. And he's, and he's like, and then he's like, really, Lord? Like, that's how this is going to work, right? I'm now the preacher for all these gang guys. Everybody knows me. And so they said, and he said, yeah, well, I'm looking for this guy. And the kid looks at him like, what, are you crazy? And he's like, well, what? What's going on? He says, you parked in front of his house. And he said it was in that moment where you just, you look back and you go, no way. No way, no way, no way, no way, right? No way does that happen. It's only God. And that's what happens when we're connected with God and we get his heart for the world and when we go in his spirit and his presence, that's what happens. We start saying no way a lot. No way. Even this past several weeks with, uh, with these people that have been coming in that so many of you have invited to Alpha, and we just hear story after story, no way are they there. No way would they come. No way. No way. No way. And you know, this past week I was just thinking about that, I was like, how much I've been saying no way. And God's like, my name's Yahweh, right? <laughs> It's not no way, it's Yahweh. And that's what I do. That's what I do. And I want to be in a church where that's, that's the vibe. I want to I have a life with Christ where I, I'm connected with him and, and, and connected in with here, but I'm connecting out there and we're hearing these stories like, no way, can you believe this story? And can you believe that story? Because if it, this is truly God's heart, which it is, he's going to move heaven and earth to see people connect with him. He will. 
And I believe as we look at this church, there's a lot that's happened here in the last six months. And I, I have found myself saying this a lot, no way, no way. And a lot's been just as I look at what's happening in the children's ministry and the youth ministry and, and then our, our adult ministry. And I even look behind the scenes. I just look at all and go, no way, this is, this is unbelievable. And the worship ministry, and I go, no way, like that's no way. I, I've seen this kind of thing before and I know what happens when all of this stuff is this healthy is God starts moving, and he starts pulling people in. He starts drawing people in because we're in a place, church, where we're pretty healthy. We are. We can handle more. We can handle more lost people. We can handle more prodigals who need to come home. We can. We've got the room. We've got the bandwidth. We've got the maturity in this church. He's prepared us. Like, there's, there's a whole lot more room we've got for people to come in. And I believe we're going to be heading into a season, or God is calling us into a season, where we are going to be making these connections out in this world, and he's going to be bringing in more. Now, I'm not a prophet, so you can't stone me if I'm wrong. But that's what I see happening. I see it happening. It's already happening. We quadrupled in size in the people that are coming, seeking the Lord. Quadrupled. Are we overwhelmed in Alpha right now? Yeah. It's, that's what happens when you grow, you know, by four times what you did the previous time we met. Is it a little bit messy? Yeah, it's messy. And then welcome to ministry. And all we have to do is sit back and we pray and we say, okay, God, you got to do what we can't do so that we can sit back and say, no way, Yahweh. Right? So there's some things I, I want to encourage you on this. If, if you don't know where to start, if this has fallen away and you aren't keeping this up, because it is one of the first things to go, I would agree. I've seen it happen in our church. I've seen it happen in my life. This is one of the first things to go. And if we want to keep this up front, we're going to have to be diligent and very intentional about how we live our life. It's not hard. It's not complicated. It's, it's handing out fresh water, right? It's, it's going to people, being sent by him. So I want to give you several different ways, easy, simple steps that you could take. One of them you're going to laugh at. This room's getting more crowded, and we need you to move to the center sections, front and center. Now, I'm not looking on anybody on the outside, back, right, left. I'm not looking. I don't have any names, any faces. I'm going to simply look down. Uh, I'm not looking out. No, what's happening is when you walk into the service when it starts, Walk down this, imagine walking down this aisle, everybody's standing up, walking down that aisle, which is typically where everybody does because nobody wants to come down the center aisle. They typically come down these two aisles right here or on the outside. But when you come down the center aisle or you see from the back, it is literally jam-packed in the back. Doesn't feel like it because once you sit down and everybody, oh, there's all kinds of room in here. But the problem is perception is everything. And if our guests come in and they perceive there's no more room, guess what? They're not going to come back. And we don't want that, do we? And we don't want that, do we? And we don't want that, do we? How badly don't we want that? That's really bad. 
But the question is, how bad do we want that? So here's my question to you. I want to pose it to you and, and those of you who are my people because when district conference happens, I, you know, I never really get to sit in the back, um, but I would love to sit in the back with you all. I mean, you're my peeps. Deep down inside, I, I love you back there. I mean, I'm with you all. When I go to district conference, all these pastors, I sit in the very back. I just, I love it. Just let me get in the back. I can mess around. I don't have to pay attention. I can text all my buddies. That's what I just do. I sit back there and text and cause a bunch of trouble. Um, I don't think any of the district staff is here today, so I think I can say that safely. Oh, it's on. It's recording. Oh, no. Um, So here's the thing. Would you consider, those of you who typically sit in the back, we need you to prayerfully consider moving forward, and we need people to move in. Even you on the side, if you could change your hood, which is hard to do because we already changed your hood once, just messing up the seating arrangements here. We know that. And the hood, what is a hood? If you're newer to our church, a hood is a row or two in front or behind you. You're going to sit there, and you're creatures of habit, so you're going to sit there probably the rest of your life or as long as you go here. It's just we're just that messed up. So might as well get to know the people in front of you and behind you because you're going to be around them for all that time. So we encourage hood, neighborhoods, uh, get to know your peeps. So we're asking you to change where you sit in this room. Now, if you think that's hard, you weren't, and you weren't here five or six years ago when we did the Shifty 50. Everybody remember the Shifty 50? What a nightmare that was. That was hard. We had to get people to shift to a different service. We're not even asking that. We're just saying shift 15, 20 feet. All right? So this is a spiritual thing. It really is, though. It's a spiritual thing. Would you come and make sure the center is filled, front and center is filled? And I will tell you what will happen is we will grow. We're going to grow, and God's going to bring people in, the prodigals and the people that are searching, the people that are broken, and, are broken, and, and this room is going to be filled up again very quickly because that's what God does. He brings people to places where he knows his presence is. The other thing is, I want you, number one, that second thing, to once again ask God, am I taking this seriously? And if you feel like, man, every time I go out, it's hard and it's difficult, like so many of us do, and your connection to God is not what you should or what you think it should be, I would come to that Holy Spirit weekend that we're talking about in October. That is a whole time where we get into the presence of the Holy Spirit and ask him to move and to fill us and to take hold of our lives. And when you come out of that time, guess what? You will have front and center living for him and going wherever he goes. And, and, and there's something that happens. Those no way stories all of a sudden start happening. No way, no way. You wouldn't believe Think through who he wants you to be reaching. Is there, do you have that risk list that we talk about, that top three to five people where you know God's put them on your heart and you're praying for them? This is crazy. I've been praying for, for my boys over at AutoZone, and I've just been praying like, Lord, I, I want to figure out how to reach them and keep loving them and, and whatever. Sean comes in the office this past week, and he's like, dude, I know this guy you've been working out with or trying to, you know, reach. And I go, what? And he goes, yeah, he was in my youth group back in Northside. And he says, yeah, and he said, um, 
he, he's, he's into racing, and he, he's trying to move to South Carolina. Of course, Sean was in South Carolina for like two years, and so he actually knows several different Christian racing teams, and, and he says, I could probably get you hooked up. And this guy says, Scott never offered me anything like that. I'm like, yeah, I'll give you something to offer. But that's what God does. I, I, was, I was like, no way. How does that happen? It's God. I want to challenge you to do that. Take it serious. And if you feel like your heart for the lost is growing dim, or if you feel like your connection with God, take serious that invitation to come to the Holy Spirit. Because if this thing is going, there's a problem. There is a problem. You're off. It's a great indicator of your health and your connection up. It's an incredible indicator. If your heart doesn't beat for the loss of this world, you better seriously reevaluate your connection with God. You have to, because they're so intricately tied. So that's personally. Corporately, we as a church try to partner and try to set up avenues where you can come and, and somehow bring a friend. And, and so what we have done is we feel like we have found a place where a ministry where we can do that, and that's Alpha. Now, I, I am not a guy who, I'm not going to ever die for Alpha. We shut down ministries all the time here. But there's just no sacred cows. We believe sacred cows make great steaks. That's our motto around here. So we are going to run with Alpha as long as we can, but as soon as it becomes ineffective or ineffective, we're going to ditch it. We're gone. I'll be the first to put a steak on the barbecue and say, that was great, tastes good now, we're done. What's next? So let me hear you. It, it helps us with the mission. That's all it does. And what Alpha is, if you're new to our church, and I had somebody come up afterwards, and I had talked all about Alpha, and they go, you never explained Alpha to us. This is our first Sunday here. What is that? I'm like, all right. So um, I talk about it so much. Alpha is simply a meal, a talk, and a discussion. A meal, we eat dinner together, a talk where we, we hear a, a talk about Christianity, a certain aspect of Christianity, and then we have a discussion. And it's an environment that we've created where it's safe to bring anyone, an atheist, an agnostic, a prodigal, whatever described from faith they come or not faith. It's an environment to, for them to process what they believe and interact with Christ and his love that comes through his body. And it's a magical evening. It's hard to describe how this works, but it does. And we see God soften people all the time. And that's Alpha. And what I would encourage you to do is the church is opening this up and saying, hey, look, there's an environment where you can bring someone and it's safe. And they can explore what it means to follow Christ. And I would challenge you to, to check that out. Bring someone. Come with someone. We don't want just Christians to come. I, I mean, that, I've told Christians, some of you are here. I, I don't want you here. It sounds really abrupt and rude, but it's true. I don't want, we don't need a bunch of tables of Christians. We want a, a bunch of tables of people that are seeking and trying to understand more about Christ. So bring your friend. That, that works. Don't just say, hey, go, come with me. I want to challenge you to do that. Pray about that. Ask God, Lord, would you give me those people? There's several other things that we do as a church, and I want to just briefly highlight these. So we want to provide opportunities for you to help connect with this world. 
There's a personal obligation that you have just relationally in your life with people, and yet there's also this idea of, hey, wait a minute, there's other people, other Christians doing this and doing it effectively that are reaching certain aspects of culture that this church cannot. So our church, when Christ said, I want you to go to Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria and Judea, uh, or Samaria and ends of the world, there is this idea of God breaking this down into geographical centers. And so we talk about local, we talk about regional, and we talk about global. So our church has, has partnered with three different ministries locally that we see reaching segments of the population that we're not reaching effectively. And what we say is, hey, go join them. In the name of Christ, go join them. It counts. So we have fish, which helps reach a, a part of our, our culture here in our area, and it actually works with a number of churches to make sure that our helping hurts, but it's a compassion-oriented ministry. We give money out of our budget towards that because we have so many people who come in who don't know us. They come off the street, and we can refer them to fish, and fish becomes this clearinghouse so people aren't working all the churches in town. And so we help with that, and we've got someone even or two people that have been on the board of that, um, that are currently on the board of that. That's something that you could be a part of that helps those who are hurting, a compassion-oriented ministry. We also have Akron Pregnancy Services, which is at a group of Christians who said, hey, wait a minute, if we're against abortion, we better be for those people who are struggling with this idea. And how do we create an environment and a way to help young moms or mothers, even you know, middle-aged moms, deal with this crisis of, I didn't know I was going to be pregnant. And how do we help the dads through this? And so it's not just talk, it's putting a walk with it. And Akron Pregnancy Services, we've had several, we have a number of people volunteering there. We've had people on their board. Um, and, and we say that counts. And what you see is that ministry reaches people who are in crisis and somewhere in there, they see people coming to know the Lord. They see the lost finding Christ. And that counts. We have another ministry um, that we've been partnering with for a number of years, and we send a lot of people to, and it's here in Wadsworth. It's called The Garage. And if you haven't heard of The Garage, um, I've invited actually Lori Beal. She's uh, been a part of our church for a number of years uh, to come up. Everybody say hi to Lori. Hi. So what's The Garage? Uh, the Garage is a ministry right here in town, and we seek out and find kids that are hurting and lost and try to give them hope that we have in Christ and give them a place to go and be safe and hang out with each other. It's at-risk kids. It's at-risk kids. Yep. and we talked earlier. Um, I kind of am one that thinks all of our kids are at risk. There's so many different things coming at them um, between social media and bullying and all the pressures of society. So anybody's welcome at the garage. And, but our target kid is those that aren't in band. Maybe they're not playing football. They're not volleyball. They really don't have anything to do. And so your week, so they could understand, hey, this is a ministry I could possibly jump into. Your week looks like what or some of the things you guys offer? Okay. Um, so Monday we have a teen parents program. It was teen moms up uh, until about a year ago, and we have some dads that are hanging out and want to uh, learn how to be a dad and learn how to be a boyfriend or spouse, we have some of them married. Um, Tuesday, we have discipleship groups. Those are smaller groups where some of the kids are, have a lot of questions. I guess it's our mini alpha. Yeah. And then um, we also have an 18 to 22 group. 
and that's our kids that are growing up and going on but still want to hang around with us and want to still be in life yeah. with us. We never They don't have a place loose. to go, right? Yeah. yeah. So it gives them a spot to still belong and still seek. Uh, Wednesdays, we go into the high school and have lunch there. And then we have our middle school program, which is our youth group. These are kids that typically have never been in a church before and wouldn't just come up and walk in the back door. So we try to bring church to the community. And then Thursday is our high school youth group. And then um, Friday night, 7 to 9, is our, it's just a hangout. Middle school, high schoolers, anybody can come and hang out. A lot of our kids don't have money to go to the football games. So it gives them something to do. But did you hear that? The high school lets them in. Like, mm -hmm. that's unheard of, folks. Just think yeah. about that. The high school, there's a credibility with this ministry that the high school administration sees the need and the place for this ministry yeah. and the impact they're having. I mean, just sit back and that doesn't happen. Well, they actually approached us. We had the first heroin awareness meeting um, several years ago. I kept going to the city and asking, when are we going to start talking about this heroin problem we have? And they said, as they stuck their head in the sand, like, what heroin problem? So we had a meeting and had like 180, one of them, and the next week we had 150 people came. And six administrators from the school came. And afterwards they came up and said to me, we have not been doing anything for the bottom 20. That's what they call like my kids. <laughs> but we realized the bottom 20 is now the bottom 30, and we've missed the boat, but you guys are doing some cool stuff here. Could we somehow partner? We even did an assembly for them um, last year, and 32 kids at the end of the night, because they let us come back at night if we paid for the assembly, and it talked about all kinds of suicide, teen pregnancy, yeah. adoption, abortion. There were 12 key things. They let us invite the kids back for a pizza party and dance party. And then those, all the 12 people that spoke got to share how they made it through that. And it was through their relationship with Christ and the hope that Christ gives. So we were able to share that with those kids. And when we asked the crowd, how many of you would like that? How many of you want that relationship with Christ? 32 kids up inside of Wadsworth High School raised their hand and came up and talked with one of us Ooh. afterwards. So. No way. No way. Yahweh. Right? Yeah. So it's a blessing, and it's a blessing. I want to thank the church. I grew up in CMA, so I'm not going to say how many decades ago I was sitting while I was humbled in there, and they'd always do like an altar call, who wants to accept Christ? So I'd already done that, and they kept having that, who wants to be a missionary? Raise your hand. Come on down. And I really wanted to, but I'm a homebody. I live a block from my mom and dad still, and, but I, I had that in my heart, and it wasn't long um, after I was at the garage, I came home and told my husband, I'm doing mission work. You know, I'm doing it. Wow. And I thank you that this is a church that acknowledges that the kingdom is the kingdom. And, and it's okay to share your resources, to yeah. share your people, to share the money. Because this is all for God. This is Amen. all for his kingdom. And there's plenty of, your mission field is in your backyard, your neighbor, across the street, at the schools, at AutoZone. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know? So there's a lot of hurting people that need what we have. This is who's leading that ministry, right? Um, thank you, Lori. Yeah, thank thank you. you so much. Wow. If you want to connect with her, it's the garage ministry. She'll be over here probably hanging out. Um, but 
It's going to be in here in town, hopefully, for decades to come as well. Uh, we have two other ways you can connect. Uh, we think uh, regionally there's two partnerships that we have. One is with Envision Cleveland, and it's a specific ministry reaching refugees and, and people in poverty up in downtown inner city Cleveland. And uh, there is something about this call to reach our Judea, Samaria, right, out there a little bit farther. And we encourage partnerships with them. And we've done a number of things with Paul uh, Honeycutt, who's the leader of that, and had him down. And we'll be having him down to speak here, I think, in a few months, um, whether it's in early January or maybe in, in December. I'm not sure. Um, but that's a partnership you can do. Another partnership you can do is with Faith Alliance, um, and that's in East Cleveland, and that's an African-American church, brother, sister church, however you want to say it. Um, John Malone came down here and preached back in the spring. Uh, John uh, is just this dude on fire for Jesus. His worship team is actually coming down to lead the women's Christmas gathering, and uh, you won't want to miss that, trust me. Uh, those girls, and it's, it's all girls. It's actually, there's one, I guess, I think it's... Uh, yeah, one of the boys there from the church leads it uh, on the drum or plays on the drums, but amazing worship team. And so we partner with them and we help them out and we do ministry together and we want to see them reach their town and help them reach their town as well as bringing them down here to say, hey, Lord, help us figure out how to reach the African-American community and those around us. And uh, so it's a partnership that way. And the final thing, I'm just kind of buzzing through these last things because I know I'm running out of time. Um, is our connection globally. And we're part of the Christian Missionary Alliance. And, and the Christian Missionary Alliance sends out over 700 international workers throughout this world. But in specific, it, it reaches the 1040 window, which is the, the place where the gospel is not, nor is it permitted. That's where we have redeployed. We had missionaries throughout the world, and we have redeployed them mostly. I think it's over 90% are in this window where the church is not. And you can't preach the gospel without going to jail. And it is an organization. What I love is that they're saying, hey, wait a minute. If we're supposed to reach the unreached, let's go to where the unreached are. And so they, they put their money with, where their mouth is. They shut down a number of countries, or we have shut down a number of countries where Christ is preached and the church is established, uh, even though there's so much more work to be done and we have redeployed all the way over to there in the 1040 window. And so those international workers are supported by a national fund, which is, you know, losing its kind of its appeal in our culture because people want to be connected. And so they've kind of reworked it. But the, the national fund is something we encourage you to give towards. I give towards it. I give above and beyond what I tithe. And many of our leadership does as well. Uh, many of you that aren't even, I mean, it's just a lot of you have been giving towards the GCF. We have over 120,000, I think, 120,000 being given to that uh, this last year, and I think we're on course to break that record. I don't know if my numbers are total, whether we're going to be hitting 120 or we got up to 110, I can't remember, but it's a, it's a substantial amount. And if you're not joining that, I, I would encourage you, jump into that, give to that. It's worth it. And the people that you're giving to are Summer Hartzler, and, and our partnership with her and the Varen team in Germany. And, and giving to that, you're also helping J.D. and Emily Duick, who are in another city in Africa that um, I won't mention. You see it up on the screen, I think. Oh, nope, you don't. Do you have those names up there or wherever? Um, we can't say where, where they are um, and record it and post it. But uh, suffice it to say, they're one of those countries. Um, and uh, you just have to be careful what you say publicly. So... 
I encourage you to give towards that as well. It's, it's well worth it. And we have missions trips going, and, and there's one even going here this fall. Um, jump in on those things. Take a risk. Get out of your comfort zone and go discover this world that God loves. God loves so much he died for. You need to get out of your box. Get out of this culture. And it's scary. I know it's scary. I know some of you are like freaking out thinking about leaving the country. I get that. Going to a different place. I get that. But you, once you meet somebody from another culture, you're ruined. You just are. Once you get into a foreign country and you start meeting Christians who love the Lord, you're ruined. You're like, oh my goodness. These people love Jesus. And you start seeing cultures and ethnic groups and you start getting God and a picture of who your God is in a way that you can't get in Wadsworth, Ohio. I mean, look at us. We're pretty monochrome here. It's all on one scale almost to one side of the chromometer, chrome meter, I don't know, color meter. I want to invite the team to come up. As we uh, just close this time, this song that we're going to sing is um, the song about the power of God and what happens when the power of God hits this world. I don't know when the last time you've said no way in the context of conversations with people who don't know Christ. But maybe if you're stuck and you're trying to figure out how this is, as this song is playing, I would encourage you, Lord, where is this power? Where is this power as I'm trying to connect because I need it, because I'm not connecting? And would you fill me with this power? Because I want to start saying that. I want to start saying, no way. No way. You wouldn't believe it.